Hello, Rabbi Carp. Hi. I'm glad to see you got there in one piece. <laughs> I am back. Baruch Hashem. Hodu Lashem Kito. Yeah. Hi, Mrs. Weissman, Mr. Shapiro. I'm sorry it's late, but I'll, I'll say in a minute. Okay. Well, a week to go to Purim, right? A week from tonight, we will have already heard the Megillah and um, it will be the happiest day of the year in, uh, in many respects. So we got a week to go. So it will not be a, oh, hmm. who knows what's going to be next week. We can't plan more than a couple of days at a time. I was going to say no Parsha share next week because usually there's all kinds of parties on Purim night. But I'm thinking this year there's not going to be a lot of parties. So who knows? Um, okay. But the truth is a lot of times what happens the four holidays is we forget about the Torah portions. But there is a Torah portion this week, Parshish Truma, and because of God's uh, infinite wisdom, I actually had plenty of time to prepare this because I was planning on taking a flight back. Uh, um, I scheduled a flight, and then it got canceled. And then it got canceled again and canceled again. And I'm finally, I was in the airport today in Baltimore, and I said, you know, do you think all the flights are going to be continued to get canceled? And they said, actually, we think they're going to be canceled all the way till next week. And uh, I have lots of wonderful people in Baltimore to spend Shabbos with, but uh, I wanted to get back to my family here. So I jumped on a train, and trains are really comfortable and lots of time. So I had lots of time to, uh, to uh, take a look at the Parsha. So I'll share with you a little bit about uh, uh, this. I think this probably happened somewhere between... Baltimore and uh, New York. I think it was a seven-hour train ride, so it's not going to be a seven-hour class, but just a few interesting ideas. Okay, so this is the next basically month of Torah portions deals with the building of the tabernacle. And it's interesting because the tabernacle was a once-in-history episode. Um, when they built the first and second temples, there's it doesn't really use the uh, instructions that are used here. So it's really odd that there's so much time given. And then for something like Shabbos, which is every week, and there's myriads of practical details, there's so little spelled out in the Torah. So there's obviously a lot, because the Torah is a book of instructions. There's obviously a tremendous amount we're supposed to learn from the construction of the temple. And we'll try to focus on a few of those ideas. So in chapter 25, verse 7, it says there was the Shoham stones. My teacher, I think, in first grade translated Shoham as the onyx stones. The Shoham stones and the stones for the settings. What were these stones for? There was the famous Choshen, the, um, the breastplate, and there was the aphod. There was the special apron that had these stones on top of it. And these were the special stones. Now, it's interesting. These are considered really special, very rare, but they're kind of stuck in at the very end of the Torah portion, after many other things that seem to be of much less import. And, uh, the, and the Orchayim points this out. And he says a very... Uh, I think it's a very 
uh, important basic idea in Judaism. And he says this with a muscle. He says this with, with a parable. Let's say whatever work you're in, let's say it's construction. So a person can drive an hour and a half out to the construction site and bring all kinds of materials and the wood and the stones and the concrete. They get to the construction site and they realize they're missing a drill. And they realize for the project today, all their work and all their effort, all their time was an absolute waste of time because they forgot the drill and they needed the drill. In Judaism, thank God, that's not true. Judaism, we have an idea that if someone puts in time and energy, even if their original stated goal doesn't happen, the time and energy counts. And the business world doesn't count. No one cares. People may like you. They may think you're a nice, sincere person. But people just care bottom line. And in, but, but in the game of life, in in the in the uh, which which is what Judaism is, what really matters most is your time, and energy, and effort and sincerity. Not yes, certain things do have to happen, and that's the Orchayim says the the Medrash says you know how the Jewish people got the Avnei Shoham, the special stones. The Gemara says that the Anane Hakavod, the clouds of glory brought the stones on their own. It didn't take any sacrifice or generosity from the Jewish people. It didn't take any effort. So when the Torah is listing all the amazing things for the tabernacle, for, for the, the house the Jewish people would have for God, it actually did not rate very high the quote-unquote most prestigious materials. And that says, you know, I know, and I have this, you know, I fundraise and Yes, I do need to get money. But there's something to say sometimes when you get a donation that you know for that person, it was meaningful for them. You know, you can get $50 from someone who really had to stretch and you it really means something they gave you. And I personally have gotten very large donations from people who I know they barely even thought about it and, and it, I, I appreciated it. But that's a very important thing for Yiddishkeit. A lot of time, a person could think, ah, oh, I don't have these connections. I'm not so smart. I'm not this talented. I'm not, you know, whatever uh, thing you may be lacking, it doesn't matter when it comes to Yiddishkeit and the and the game of life. That's why the Rambam says, famous Rambam, famous Maimonides, that any human being can be as great as Moshe. What does that mean? Obviously, we're, we know one of the 13 principles of faith is that no one's going to be as great of a prophet as Moshe. So it doesn't mean that. It means that it means that as far as your soul growing, which is what this world is all about, right? Path of the just. Mesosha um, Sharma says the purpose of this world is, is how much your soul grows. That's it. So your my soul can grow just as much from giving 36 because I stretched and I could have given 18 and so on who uh, could afford a million dollars and gave a half a million. So that's the lesson that we learn from the special stones about we really care about, uh, like it says in Pirkei Avos, Lefum Tzara Agra, based on the effort 
is um, is a reward. So let's move on to the menorah. The menorah. So it says in Parachaf, hey, Pasuk Lamanam, 25-31, you make a menorah of pure gold. Hammered out shall the menorah be made. Famous Gemara, famous Talmud says that Moshe could not figure out how you taking this block of gold and making into this beautifully ornate um, lamp. You see, the Torah describes flowers and cups and all these beautiful things. How are you doing that? How are you chiseling that out of out of one piece of gold? And God showed him a fiery image of how the menorah was supposed to look, and still Moshe couldn't do it. Finally, Hashem tells Moshe, I want you to throw the piece of gold in the fire, take it out, give it one slam of the hammer, put a little prayer, and poof, out came the menorah. So the Svas Emes and Mechdam um, the strife of the truth, uh, discussed this, as well as many others, and say, What's, what was this game? What was this game? Was Moshe able to do it, or was he wasn't able to do it? Was God playing games with him? Was was he like a puppet? Was it a charade? What what was going on here? And the Svasemis and the Mechda Melio kind of takes uh, a baton from from the Svasemis, and he says that really many endeavors in life um, we we can do them. But only if we have a clear picture of what we're trying to do. And sometimes the purpose of that clear picture is not even so we can accomplish what that clear picture is, but to accomplish something even on a lower level of that. I'll give an example. A few hundred, hundred years, years ago, it was a great, probably the greatest scholar of his generation, Rabbi Kivager from Posen. The great Rabbi Eger. So one time someone asked Rabbi Eger, maybe it was on Purim, on a candid moment, and they asked Rabbi Eger, how did you become Rabbi Eger? And he said, you know why? Because since I was very young, I wanted to be the Rashba. And the Rashba was one of the medieval commentaries with a contemporary Rashi. Now, Rabbi Eger probably knew good and well that he was not going to be like the Rashba. He was many hundreds of years after the Rashba. But he became, he had a clear picture of what he would, what his aspirations were for, of what uh, what uh, his goal looked like. And then since he had his goal on the Rashba, he became Rekiva Eger. Says the Svas Emes through the prism of Mikhtar Melio, it really, the whole concept of, of the menorah, there's so much metaphysical energy going on there. The menorah represents Torah, it represents light, it's so many things. And really, it's beyond the level of, of, a, of a human being, even Moshe Rabbeinu. But there's a certain amount that Moshe Rabbeinu was capable of with divine assistance. But he had to be shown a clear picture of what it's supposed to be like. And even though ultimately he really wasn't able to do it on his own, but he was able to achieve a certain amount with God's assistance. And that is a, a plan for success for all of us. We have, to, we have to dream. We have to get 
clarify what it is that we want to do. Get, get, first of all, get the information straight. What does God actually ask from us to do? And then when we get that straight, we can figure out our own personal, um, you know, way to express that. And when we get the, the more clarity we get, then when we put the effort in, and of course, with God's assistance, then we can do amazing things. Maybe not perhaps the ultimate crystal, uh, crystal clear goal that we had, but the more, um, the better and clearer that goal is, the more we'll ultimately be able to achieve. And, and the goal really likely is not that perfection, but it's as perfect as, um, as we can be. You know, um, I've been spending the past, uh, I've been learning Jewish law in depth for 18 years. Uh, I need a lot more time. But there's no question, whatever clarity I've achieved over these years, now my ability to keep those laws is so much better. Now, I still don't keep the laws 100% properly, but I used to have a clarity. This is what I'm trying to do. Okay, next point. Moving along. Beginning of the Parsha is a very, very commonly spoken about uh, idea here. It says, the very beginnings of the first documented fundraising campaign, right? They're in a very, everyone wanted to get money, right? They said, 24 hours, all or nothing campaign, your money will be quadrupled, and speak to the children of Israel and let them take for me a portion. Everybody focuses on this line. So, so they're asking for donations to build the temple. And what does it say? Let them take for me a portion. I thought they're giving. Why are we saying the word take? And from here, every fundraiser knows this idea, but it really is much beyond, it's way, way beyond um, funding. Let's see. When a person gives to something of, of importance, they're the ones, that is the way that, that you grow. That is the way that you grow. We all know the way to, to, for example, to develop a loving relationship is to give. When you're giving, you're taking the most. Because when you give, it's this, it's this paradox. When you give, you've now acquired for yourself a beautiful relationship when a person quote-unquote gives to god you're never giving to god god doesn't need anything from us when we give to god we're actually taking and if a person could to whatever degree could buy this idea that it's really true when a person does a mitzvah when a person gives up of themselves for god for mitzvahs for the jewish people for other people it's 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 such you're getting so much you're not giving up anything you're literally not giving up they say with the famous uh baron rothschild uh, uh, fabulously wealthy banker he started i think a, a lot of our modern banking um systems so one time he was being audited as many jews have been and fortunately he was a very honest man and they found his they figure was his main ledger uh, in the in the top desk of his drawer, and they found and they saw that it would 
seem to be, you know, millions and millions of, uh, less than they knew he had. And they thought they had him. And they called him in and uh, they say, you know, you, you have about 90% less uh, recorded than we know you probably have. I said, really? Show me which book you found. So the book. And that was his Stucker book. It was his Stucker book. They said, you know, Mr. Mr. Rothschild, what are you doing? This is your business. He's like, that's the only money I really have. Because that money I've kept for myself. Because it says, it says in Psalms, you can't take it with you. When you die, you can't take things. What do you take with you? The money that you gave to Tzedakah. So when we, when we give, we're taking. This applies to uh, other people. It applies to Kaisal, it applies to the base of Middash, it applies to Hashem. So when we're giving, we're taking. And the more, the more we can remind ourselves throughout our life how we saw that happen, then um, we'll, act, we'll, uh, we'll act accordingly. Once a story where there was a collector went to someone's house and said, I'm starving, I'm starving, I haven't had food in weeks. And the woman of the house answers the door and she says, you know, don't have a lot of money. But uh, she was a little bit speculative. You weren't sure if she, he didn't seem like the most honest person. She had that uh, woman's Bina Yesera, Sixth Sense. And she said, you know, she didn't want to leave him empty handed, but she, she gave him $5. And then, like, like a good uh, Jewish mother, grandmother, she said, but, you know, if you're really starving, why don't I give you supper? And he said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm starving. I have to go raise money. <laughs> so, so she realized he obviously wasn't true that he hadn't eaten in weeks because he, he didn't want to take the food. So it's a funny story. It's a true story. It happened with a friend of mine, actually. But in this week's Torah portion, the Jewish people are not asked to write checks. Not asked to write checks. No checks. There is a Moshe tells them a list of the things that are needed. And they said, we need materials and we need volunteers. And basically, I saw this in a Medrash. Moshe said, come and if you have a talent and you're interested, or if you don't have talent and you're interested, but basically if you want to help, come. We want you. And it, you couldn't just write your check, and that was it. It was about really, really solving a problem, right? And everyone knows in organizations, the, 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 their Money is, is important, and money makes the world go round. But, but uh, there's a lot of other things that, 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 that need to happen. And if a person really cares about something, like I'm just thinking about, you know, with my kids, right? Imagine, you know, imagine if, if I solved all my kids' problems just with the fact that I was willing to pay for things. That takes care of a very important piece, but it's far, far, far from... Uh, you know, what, what is really needed. And that was the lesson that Hashem was, and Moshe were teaching the, the Jewish 
people that you can't just write a check. And, uh, and it's more than that also. And if you can't write a check, don't think you can't help. Everybody has ways to help. And any way that you can help, you, um, you got to help. Okay. So it says, Make for, make for me a tabernacle and I will dwell within you. It's a funny thing. We're making God's house. God sends, you make for me a house, and I'll live in you. Well, wouldn't you think if you're building God a house, God would then go in the house? So you can go in God's house. Essentially, you would think the idea is here. We're building, a whatever it means, God God is everywhere. So whatever it means, you're building God a house. Build God a house. That's somewhere that we can hang out with God. So it should say, build for me a house. And I'll come in the house, and you'll come to the house. And that's what happened, actually. But that's not what the Torah says. The Torah says, make for me a sanctuary, and I will dwell within you. The syntax is, is really not what, what you would think. And Chazal explained that, that the purpose of the Beis HaMikdash was not to be a place where God was relegated to. The purpose of the Beis HaMikdash was that there should be, and this really gets into Purim a little bit, because Purim in a certain sense is called Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies. Really, obviously, I would love to talk about Purim for many hours on end, but uh, certainly not tonight. But the purpose of the Beis HaMikdash was to have a place of intensity where if a person had the need for inspiration or wanting to connect, they could go there, get their inspiration, and then go back home, and God would be with them. God's not on the shul. God's not in Israel. He's not at the Western Wall. God is, he's as much as we allow him in. So what Hashem was saying is, if you make him for me a sanctuary, and you bring Hashem into the world, you have yeshivas and you have schools and you have places where you can have that intensity and then the but the purpose is to allow for it to permeate everything that's when it works but it doesn't work if a person says no 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 i'm gonna have you in the sanctuary but i don't want it to be everywhere else and god may say you know what i don't know if i'm coming at all and unfortunately that's why we lost the temple we lost the temple you lost the temple because it wasn't permeating uh, appropriately into um, in, in, into our lives. And just to just to gloss about Perm for a second, you know, Perm is a very unusual day. A lot of unusual activities, and they all need proper attention and understanding and uh, practical application. And but one thing that Perm is Perm is designed to be a day of intensity in many areas, and in, in, in kindness, in love, and in introspection, uh, in connection. Um, and what its purpose is to not be an isolated day. It's meant to, when you give those shalach manas, when you give the gifts, when you take care of the poor, and when you have a feast, and you have the uh, intense experience at that feast, and when you and when you listen to the Megillah, and you hear how uh, Hashem is involved in everything, 
Those are things that are not supposed to be relegated just to Purim. The intensity of Purim is supposed to then keep you going for, um, for the whole year. Now, this is an idea, and I don't think I ever focused on, 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 on this before, and I think it's a little bit tricky. But uh, um, fortunately, there's so much, so many good, um, uh, inspiring Jewish biographies out there right now. And uh, I recently read a fantastic book. I think I mentioned it before. Uh, it's the biography of Rebbitz and Esther Jungreis. And I really wish, uh, especially because she was, pop, you know, in a certain sense, the mother of Jewish outreach, in more than just one sense. And uh, she had, she really had a tremendous um, command, not just of inspiring and loving people, but she was a tremendous scholar, actually. And she would speak every week her own novel ideas on the Torah portion. And really, uh, and she was respected by all the great rabbis. And probably it would really be an inspiring thing for women today, you know, especially today, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, misunderstandings about Judaism, respect for, for, for women and a woman like her really, uh, really helped that. And uh, I recommend uh, checking her out online. So she has an idea that she was famous for saying in, on this week's Parsha. So you have Mount Sinai. And the Talmud says that if the sin of the golden calf, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, would not have taken place, there would be no need for a tabernacle. Because the point of the tabernacle is that we lost a certain amount of intimacy with God. So we have to have a place where we can have that intimacy, which we can't really have to that degree of intensity all the time and, and, and be able to go in and out of that intensity. When we have the sin of golden calf, we, we, we now they created the need for the tabernacle. So Jefferson Younger Eyes pointed out, if you look in the Parshios, it does seem that the commandment to build the tabernacle happened before that whole episode with the golden calf. To a very large degree, that command was already set in motion. The whole saga of the golden calf really took a, a number of months. They, they happened, and then there was a whole thing. It ended with Yom, with Yom, with Yom Kippur. And the question that Rebison Yungrai's focuses on is that I don't understand. I thought the Gemara says, the Talmud says they were not going to need it. It only was a, it only was a, it was an after the fact thing that needed to happen because we have the golden calf. So why is it being discussed earlier? Sir Ebison Yungrai's had a famous uh, piece of advice she would give to people. And she would say in life, you have three choices. It could be a carrot, and I, I can't, she had this very unique accent and unique voice, so, and unique heart, but can share the idea. So you could be a carrot, or you can be an egg, or you can be a coffee. She said that what happens if you have a cup of hot water? What happens when a carrot falls into hot water? It dissolves. Before you know it, there's no carrot left gone. What happens to an egg when you put it in hot water? gets hard. Hard boiled eggs. It's hard. What happens to coffee? Coffee, when it goes into the water, it, it, it takes the water 
and it turns it into this delicious drink. And you come out of the hot water experience in, in a richer, more, and you accomplish something from that, from that experience. So Rebison Yungrai said that when we have difficulties in life, we find ourselves in hot water. So, and we feel we can't go on, like we don't know what's going to be. So what happens is, you know, when you drop the, when you drop the coffee in, you know, you know, no two cups of coffee come out the same. You don't know how it's going to swirl and mix and the color and this and that, and right? But when you fall in that, into that hot water, you know, if you have the coffee, if you're in the coffee line, you know, it thinks somehow it's going to come out, it's going to be good. The way Hashem makes the world in general is makdim rufua kodim lamaka. Hashem sets up the world, and we don't understand necessarily why. Hashem, Hashem sets up the world with all kinds of, and this is certainly the story of Purim, is lots of things we don't know why, and I believe the Villagon shows how every single detail that looked bad ended up being good. In fact, he looks at the, at the uh, Megillah as a pyramid. It goes completely up, it's uphill. Every single thing looks bad. And the second half of the Megillah, tit for tat. Every single thing that looked bad actually was good. And that is what Jehovah Shemesh says is why the Torah, did the Torah tell us that? The Torah said, look, you're going to make it, you're going to make a Mishkan. You're going to make a tabernacle. Okay. Happens to be right now. You may not understand why you need it. Seems to be unnecessary. And that's the way we've always had, we look back in, as the Jewish people, as a people, this is the way things are. And, and, and in our own individual lives, um, that is the way things are. And so many things that, so that we think were, were bad ended up being great. And uh, when, we, when we're actually in those situations, the, uh, the way to, to be happy, the way to thrive in them is to, to have the bitachon, to have the faith that, uh, that, it, is, that it is a cup of coffee. And it's not, uh, but unfortunately, if you don't have that mentality, you don't have that wisdom from the Torah, then you can end up being a carrot and you fall apart. Or, unfortunately, you can turn into a hard-boiled egg and get callous and get hard and not grow from life. Two more short points. An hour is late. Last week's Torah portion talked about money. Talked about the, the laws of, um, of, of, of respecting other people's property and uh, all basically court, all the, all the, the laws, this 50, it was 53 laws, um, mainly dealing with how to interact with, with other people in a, in a way of commerce. And right at, now, that was the, that's pretty much all I talked about. And now, for the next four portions, now four out of five portions, we talk about the building of a temple. And then basically all the rest of the laws are later on. This is interesting. Uh, um, the table of contents doesn't really flow so well. You got the story, climax, Mount Sinai, Jewish commerce, build the temple, and everything else. As we know in the Torah, even though there's a big argument about if things in the Torah are in order or they're not in order, but everyone agrees whatever order it's in is a very specific um thought out order and I forgot who says it some wonderful person 
um, says that what's the connection between these two portions? This is the idea, and I've dealt with this when I used to work for the yeshiva. It is something called kosher money. The person wants to give, and this, this actually happened, unfortunately, uh, a number of years ago when we know, because a lot of Jewish money we knew that uh, had supported many wonderful things that came from, from not such a kosher place. And uh, that's something that Hashem is saying from the very beginning. The ends never justify the means. If you don't have enough money, you can't do it. I just had this the other day. Um, I was involved in a certain idea that, that would perhaps uh, raise some money. And, uh, you know, I have a computer. And I use that computer in the base, in the, uh, in the base matters a lot. I, uh, I write up, I do a lot of studying on my own. So I, 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 I write a lot on, on, on the computer when I, um, when I study Torah. I was like, you know, and, and this like little, uh, what's the opposite of Tinkerbell? I forgot. Jiminy Cricket? I don't know. I forget. No, 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 there's something else. But anyway, maybe it's Jiminy Cricket. So, um, so, so I was like, you know what? If I, I could easily, you know, turn on the internet on my computer and I won't have to go out of the study hall to deal with this financial issue and, you know, it would save a lot of time. And, you know, if I leave the, the, the study hall, I'm not going to come back. And I told myself, I said, Naftali, you know, God's in charge here. Whether this financial endeavor is going to be successful is up to God. So if I'm if I'm working on this financial issue in the in the study hall, which you know, probably even if it's technically okay, it's probably not a good idea, that's not gonna it's not gonna help the cause. Because the money has to be kosher and the efforts have to be kosher. And this is something I could tell you as a rabbi, this is probably as a community rabbi, it's one of my biggest challenges is that, you know, we're, we're very excited to share Judaism. And this is for everybody. We all, we all want to accomplish great things in our lives, in our families' lives, in our community lives. And, and it's, it's murky sometimes. You have a great idea, but you got to cut corners somewhere else. You got to water down something somewhere else. And from the very beginning, Hashem is saying, no, 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 no. And I was privileged for my first, uh, you know, eight years in the workforce I uh, really, uh, you know, I, I, I did it in the yeshiva, and I had uh, many, many occasions where uh, Rabbi Gibber taught me what it means to uh, to build build Torah, um, and 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 sometimes uh, give up big opportunities when it's not uh, when, when it's not the right thing. So that is something which certainly applies to money, but it applies uh, to everything. Uh, I can tell you a lot of the questions that I ask. Um, you know, the rabbis that everyone contact is dealing with this, with this balance of being able to uh, to know uh, what to when to water something down and, and and when not to. Before we do the quick review, uh, wanted to mention one thing about Parsha Zohar. Parsha, this is Parsha Zohar, the Torah, the end. After we read the Torah portion, we read the part. Of the Torah, it talks about uh, the, when the nation of Amalek attacked the Jewish people. So the main the main reason it's read this parsha is the Shabbos before Purim, and uh, the, and Haman, the uh, the Hitler of the story of Haman, uh, was um, from the nation of Amalek. So we read it 
and it's actually considered a, in, in many ways a biblical commandment. Many people never come to shul. They, they, they come to shul. At the same time, it's not, uh, I'm not trying to downplay it, but sometimes people uh, who really can come to shul uh, do come, and, 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 and it's not uh, necessarily appropriate because people have this idea that it's just like, you know, it's like eating chametz on Pesach. It's very important, but um, it's it, it's not. Uh, if someone really can't come and it's really a big deal, uh, too much, then um, maybe ask a, a local Orthodox or the Zoom. Doesn't even have to be local. Um, so Parsha Zohar, why? What's the big deal? It's the only biblical piece of Torah that only biblical only reading of the Torah that's biblical. What is so important? So what Amalek represents, Amalek represents the idea of apathy. What did Amalek do? The Jewish people left Egypt. They had the 10 plagues. They had the spring of the Red Sea. The whole world was in awe of God. And they were in awe of the Jewish people. And who knows what would have happened? Amalek came in, and Amalek said, eh, big deal. Who cares? We'll mess with the Jewish people, the way Rashi brings down from the Talmud. It's like when you have a, uh, you know, someone takes a cup of, a cup of cold water and splashes it on your face. Right? You throw an ice cube into the soup. You know, the, it's over now. It's over. This incredible once in a once not in a lifetime, once in world history events, ten plagues, it got chilled out. Chilled out is not always a good thing. They didn't care. Yeah, well, whatever, fine, it happened. And that today, I could tell you, and anyone could tell you, is is the is the is the biggest problem the Jewish people have today, in many ways, is that is the apathy as a people. That you know we were so far from Harsinai, is that we we you know just it's not like we necessarily like you know uh, you know 30, 40 years ago people debated the existence of God, you know what does God want this does He want that now for many people it's like well maybe it is maybe it's not as a, as a Riley Epstein and 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 the and the Oxford Dictionary agreed on in two thousand and sixteen. We're in the post-truth generation. And post-truth generation means it doesn't matter if it's true. Does it feel good? That's what matters. It could be true. It could be false. I don't really care. It doesn't matter. That's apathy. Apathy is, I don't really care. Fine. You're entitled to your opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion. So there is some nice things about that, to have uh, certain things about not caring. But, you know, uh, we all, everyone knows that, uh, you know, you know the, the worst thing a child can feel from the parent is that they don't care. They just don't care. In a certain sense, I, you know, not that any, any situation is good, but uh, whenever someone doesn't care, uh, that's not a good thing. So just a quick review. Um, what did we talk about tonight? Yeah, we talked about the special onyx stones, the Avne Shoham. Why were they listed so low when they were so high? Because it, they came on the clouds. They didn't come from effort. In Judaism, effort and sincerity is at the top of the list. 
Why did Moshe need to be seen, be shown this picture of the menorah that he couldn't do anyway? Because to accomplish anything, you have to have clarity, you have to have goals. When you have clarity, you have goals. Even if the goal and the clarity isn't ultimately reached, but to attain anything, to, that you, 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 you have to have that to the degree that you have clarity and you have a vision, you'll be able to, to, uh, to accomplish things. When we give to God and we give to the Jewish people and we give to important causes we're actually taking, uh, we gain the most from that experience. We learned how when a person sees a problem, something that needs to happen, a cause, something that has to be solved. So it's not just about the money. It's not just about the time. It's everything you can do. You own the problem. Noah Weinberg uh, part of the reason he was so successful in, in raising money and, and all those kinds of things, everything that he did, he raised money, he raised people, was that he, um, he, 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 he was able to get people to own the problem. They, 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 they took ownership He's, of, um, of the problems that, that he was presenting. And that's what we have to do when we see something. We can't just say, oh, I gave a check. I, I helped for an hour. Obviously, only you can do what what you can do. But when something is your problem, right? Then uh, I get this sometimes. You know, uh, sometimes I, I know no one means it this way, but people will say to me, they will know that I interact and I I, I know a lot of people in the community, and they'll say, you know, uh, you know, it's your people. I know it's not meant in any um, any bad way at all. It's just a practical thing because I know them. But but really, it, it's our it's it's the Jewish people. We're one big family, you know. Just because I happen to be, have a job that I, affords me the opportunity to spend more time on it, it's just it's not any less my problem. Anybody, it's it's the same. And that's not just an outrage. It's with any any problem, with kindness, with mitzvot. The, the the Jewish people own all the problems of, of of the Jewish people, and no person is more responsible than another one. We said how if we make God a sanctuary, he'll dwell within us. The purpose of having holy days and holy places and holy people is to permeate everything, not just to be relegated to those spaces. Why did Hashem teach Moshe teach about the gold, the uh, building of the temple when it would seem to be something that was not necessary at the time? Because that's the way Hashem makes the world, and we can trust in that. We could trust if we're in a situation, Hashem already has the, um, you know, they say with America, you know, a hundred years ago, you know, it was called the Trefa Medina. It was called, no, we were scared stiff of America. And there was reason to. But now we see how beautiful Judaism has, has flourished in the past 70 years. No one would have thought, but it was here. It was here. So be coffee, not a carrot or an egg. We talked about having honest money, having an idea of not the ends don't justify the means, right? And we talked about not to have apathy. And Afrelechen Parsha Zacher, it's one of the happiest Shabbos of the year. I know this is uh, it's it's the full circuit. It's the we've now done the entire. Jewish count. We're going to have done the entire Jewish calendar short of an ace. 
um, with COVID, and 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 it doesn't say anywhere that you you're less happy because you can't. We're not having as big of parties as we usually do, or whatever that we're not. Whatever the challenges may be. So, if you saw my Nirvana fun today, we got to work even harder. Being happy is hard work. So let's all uh, strengthen each other and do that. Have a beautiful Shabbos, and uh, hopefully we'll. Uh, uh, See people on Sunday night with uh, Mr. Harry Rothenberg. Good and Shabbos.